Welcome to the Ordinary Day Podcast. My name is Pete. And I'm his lovely Dr. D. Oh yeah. So, Dr. D, what will we be talking about this time? I thought today that I would give a little account of what I do as a PhD student. Still a student, not quite a doctor yet. Um, but I feel like my friends and family who aren't involved in academia or graduate studies don't exactly know what I do. So I thought I'd enlighten them. So basically, instead of any kind of social interaction, you can now just send a link to this podcast episode and say, that's what I do. Yes. Awesome. Furthering the <laughs> typical um, antisocial graduate student stereotype. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, well, before we go into that, let's talk a little bit about our week. What Sounds is good. new this week? If I may, I have two updates. Please. So one, last, last week we talked about changing the tire? Yep, that was last week. Uh, so I actually got a response to my email saying that the pothole had been fixed. Yeah, go City of Toronto. I actually got something done. Yeah. And um, who did you email? You said you emailed two people. I did. I emailed the city councilor's office and the Eglinton Crosstown office because I didn't know if it was a hole resulting from all the construction that was happening. And it was the Crosstown. Well, they both got back to me. Um, but I guess there's some like coordination that has to happen as who whose problem it is. Um, but then I got an email from the Crosstown office saying it had been fixed. So Excellent. I, feel, I feel like I made a small difference. Yeah, except for... The difference of your brother's wallet. Yeah, that's paying, unfortunate. Paying for the very, yeah. very damaged rim. Yeah. But hey, those are winter tiles, tires, so yeah. we don't have to worry about that's them. That's future Matt's problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the second update is I mailed in those Izzy dolls that I was talking about a few weeks right. ago now. And wow. I got a letter back from the charity saying, hey, thanks for donating the dolls. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. It's right in front of us here. Yep, it is. Um, what I found really neat is they actually use the dolls instead of styrofoam to, I guess, pack the boxes of supplies they send overseas. Oh. So they even have, you know, a That's little good. bit of a... That's an environmental thing, too, actually. Yeah, yeah, Because what are they sure. going to do with a bunch of styrofoam? Yep. They might be tempted to eat it because they're hungry, and then that's just not good. Wow. So close to 100,000 children have received Izzy dolls. At mm -hmm. HPIC, volunteers are vital partners in what we do. Your donation has made a difference. We cannot provide these comforting dolls without the network of knitters and cro cro crocheters. Crocheters? 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 There's yeah. a T in there. I know, Such but as you yourself, just say <laughs> who provide 12,000 dolls to children in need. Wow. Yeah. Well, good, Diane. I'm really glad you did that. That's really sweet. It's just really nice that you get a letter of acknowledgement sometimes, just to know that they got there and they'll be well used. Yeah. And a little bit more information on um, the project. So it was kind of cool. That's very awesome. Um, I can't really remember anything exciting that happened for me this week. It was a really, really busy week. Yeah, I was going to get into... There, there is one thing that's exciting. Um, later today, uh, friend of your family, I guess. Yeah. We, I, when I tell other people, I just call him your uncle, just so it makes it easier. Very close friends of the family. Um, but he's having his 70th? 60. 60th. Yep. Okay. 60th birthday. And, uh, as a joke, sort of a joke gift, 
it's it's well known that he enjoys eating cereal or specifically raisin bran. There's a famous story where he even had seven bowls of raisin bran instead of dinner. Yep. Um, He'll often come down. We'll be having, you know, a house party. He'll be like, just, just come in and get my bowl of cereal, guys, before bed. Yeah. So what we did is uh, I came up with the idea it'd be really fun to do a caricature of his face and put it on a bowl, uh, sorry, on a box of raisin bran. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just that, we decided to up the ante even more, and we made a cereal box that's 2.5 times size, the regular Raisin Bran cereal box. It was pretty huge. It's like 27 inches by 19 inches or something. It's like the size of a movie poster. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, it's a little bit tinier than a movie poster, but mm-hmm. it's a box. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we have, we'll have like eight packs of Raisin Bran in there or something. Yeah, four jumbo boxes. Yeah. Plus so. some extra, so... So we got that printed off. We just attached it. We assembled the box. Party is later tonight. Excited to see how that goes. I'm excited. I'm expecting a lot of laughs. Me too. Hopefully. I, I hope it's it, worth all the work. I know. I was talking to my parents and I said, man, I hope he gets the joke. <laughs> well, at the very least, he'll get something practical. I mean. It's true. He'll be so excited. There's so much racing for him. He's good for a while, at least. I hope so. Maybe a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was really, I mean, other than working way too much, that was uh, that was my week. It's a fun project. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So we will uh, update you guys in the next episode about how that raisin brand goes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But let's jump into our topic. Ooh, good idea. So today, I guess I wanted to split it up into a few sections, and if it gets long and boring, Pete, just, you know, tell me. Because I want it to be informational and not. It's make been too you long and it's boring. I think we should stop right now. <laughs> End podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Yep, I'd like fine. to thank uh, Field Processor for the beginning and ending music. You can check us out at. Okay, sorry. Continue. Okay, uh, so first off, I'd like to talk about what I do on a daily basis and kind of why it takes four years to complete a PhD. Okay. This is a specifically a science based PhD. And Other for ones, for a little background, mm-hmm. how far along are you right now? Uh, so I am three three years into a four year PhD. Great. Yeah, so seventy five percent. Yes, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Scary. We'll say a little bit. Um, Continue. But yes, so want to talk about that. Um, maybe talk about some of the challenges that can come up. Uh, through doing this work and give a little shout out to the people who have helped me through those challenges and what I hope to get out of it at the end because I made this decision to do this PhD and I'm going to talk about how hard it is and how long it takes. Why on earth would someone do that? If that sounds like a good outline. Sounds like a great outline and I think it could be useful to people who might be interested in your field as well. It's true. Or any kind of... um, was it post-secondary education? Yeah, graduate hopefully, school specifically. Hopefully so. you'd be able to apply at least what they learned from you as general PhD knowledge, whether it's a different field or not. It could be helpful. That's yeah. true. Uh, so let's get started on what I do on a daily basis. Uh, my days vary depending on what I have going on. So as a PhD, I have to do research. I have to do a lot of uh, writing, publishing papers, other administrative tasks, going to conferences, and finally finish a thesis. 
So the first year was spent learning a lot of lab techniques because I came in with some knowledge of science from my master's, but didn't really know the techniques in the lab that I'm working in at York. And we were doing a lot of animal studies with rats. So we had to learn about how to handle them, how to treat them, how to run around on a treadmill. And this is one of those things where uh, people would not expect, I guess, a girl to be really into rats or comfortable with picking them up, touching them. You basically pet them. Um, I don't know. It's not a typical girly girl. <laughs> it's funny thing. you should mention that the girl would be uncomfortable because it was definitely the boy in the lab that was most uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did. Them. Yeah, you had a guy who was really squirmish and he would, really would like not him. hold them. So he would do like mm-hmm. the needles, but he would miss and then he would poke you with the needle and it's disastrous. It makes it sound like it was terribly chaotic. It was it was not. It was usually pretty organized in what we were doing, okay. well, but there was the odd incident. That's the <laughs> That's the general feeling I got from the stories is I only heard chaos. So You did. I just, I just assumed the Benny Hill soundtrack was just running at all times while you guys were running around the lab. I think it was funny because it was maybe a little over a year in and I said, so Michelle was helping me with this. And you're like, who's Michelle? I'm like, oh, she's like the chick I work with most closely. And you're like, why have I not heard her name? I'm like, probably because she doesn't screw up. No good stories. <laughs> right, continue. Um... So year one was spent uh, learning a lot and kind of testing out some pilot projects and seeing what three big projects I would be working on for the remainder of my time. Um, Year two, we had kind of a a better idea of what we were doing. So I would, um, we had a couple of projects uh, that we were doing and I was spending a lot of time running the research projects, which usually involved running rats on treadmills on a daily basis uh, for eight weeks at a time, which can be pretty time consuming. Um, and then collecting the data and analyzing it and putting it in a format uh, for, public, for publication. I would say that year two so far has been probably the most difficult um, just because there are a lot of expectations that I knew what I was doing now and I should be putting out data and publications and getting a lot of stuff done. Yeah. You're distracted. There's a fly. Yeah. There, there is a fly. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. I was just looking at a fly. Cool. Um, in the beginning of this third year, I took a break from the research to write something called my comprehensive exams. And essentially, these are used to prove your ability as a scientist and a researcher, uh, prove that you can think and come up with projects and realize all the different issues that might come up with uh, science. Um, and also take a topic you're not familiar with and write about it in a coherent manner. So how do they know that you aren't familiar with the subject matter? Oh, because, well, I had to pick topics that were not directly related to my thesis work. Okay. So that's what they assumed as topics I'm not familiar with. So what was your thesis work? Uh, My thesis work looks at uh, exercise and how it affects um, fat and glucose metabolism, specifically in your fat tissue. Okay. And I look at two types of fat. I look at white fat, which everyone is kind of most familiar with. It's kind of um, the one that's like insulations located right under your skin, provides cushioning for all your organs. And okay. I look at brown and, fat. And then uh, for this project, what mm-hmm. did you pick that was different? 
that was different? Yeah. Oh, for my exams. Yeah. Uh, so for my exams, I looked at uh, gut bacteria and how they contribute to obesity. And I also looked at um, something called reactive oxygen species wow. and okay. how they contribute to obesity. Um, so they're so similar uh, but different. Yes. So they're involved in the physiology of obesity, but they weren't particular topics that I'd ever really examined closely. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So they kind of have to be, they call it an arm's length away from your research. So it's not like I started to research particle physics, but <laughs> it's not that I was doing something super closely related. <laughs> make some rockets and send it to the moon. Yes. And this is how we'll fix obesity. <laughs> That's science, man. Um, yeah. So I did a, I wrote up some papers and spent about two months preparing and then had a two hour oral examination in front of, in front of five professors, which was not intimidating at all. It was freaky. You do pretty good in front of crowds. I didn't think you really had issues with that. I, uh, should have, I freaked out way more than I needed to. Yeah. I think. Yeah. How big was the audience you said? Five professors. Were there any other people in attendance, no. just as an audience? No, I didn't oh. let anybody come. Okay. I think it's public. They could have, but... See, sometimes I have to do presentations in front of uh, bigwigs and, um, I guess, bosses of bosses of bosses of bosses. When mm-hmm. you're dealing with a big corporation, there's just so many bosses. And I've done quite a few presentations in front of people, and I don't really get nervous. And sometimes I wonder if that's like my history of... Uh, playing music in front of people mm-hmm. maybe prepared me for that. Um, I don't know. It's different. It's I think you different. also, I feel like when you're doing your presentations, you know your material really well and you know it better you don't? than, no, 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 I do know my material, but I'm standing in front of experts in the field. Like I wrote a 10 page paper on reactive oxygen species. I'm talking to a professor who's been studying it for right. 10 years. Right. So, there's just a bit of a level of like, I know what my paper is and what I've been talking about, but he's going to have some other idea that's going to come up that might floor me mm-hmm. and have me thinking way outside the area that I was particularly looking at. So I think that was just a little bit where I was like kind of freaking out. A little unnerved. Yeah. 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 All right. But it was fine. They were all like really nice. I got through it. I passed. It makes sense to me. So, I don't. I don't know why they would be like vindictive or no. wrong. I mean, isn't the pursuit of science just for greater knowledge in general? Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't you all be working together? It shouldn't be a competitive field. It's true, but you do have to pass these exams to be able no, to I, continue. Yeah. Of course. So you have to have that. a level of competence. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you have a level of competence, honey. Oh, thanks. Yeah. See, this is why you're important to my <laughs> achieving my. <laughs> I'm just full of compliments. Goals. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so after that, I basically, uh, I have maybe one more project that I need to do. And in the meantime, I'm analyzing data. So my days are kind of a typical like work day. Like I usually go in around like eight and stay till four. Mm-hmm. Um, I can usually schedule it so I can fit everything in, in that eight hours. If I'm running a study and I have to be, um, weighing my animals or looking at how much food they're eating, I'm in every single day, including weekends, sometimes twice. Yeah. That's horrible when that so, happens. Yeah. You're... And that's, I mean, it's always interesting uh, from my perspective when the family asks what you do. And it's like, yeah, you're going to school, but mm-hmm. at the same time, 
when I went to college, you know, you could arrange your courses and especially if you had long commutes, you would try to arrange your courses so you could come in three days a week or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would be 12 hour days sometimes or whatever, yeah. but it still never was like 40 hours a week, like a work, work mm -hmm. job. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a bit of a negative connotation to the idea of saying, hey, yeah, you're a student because you're actually sometimes working more hours than me a week especially when you're doing the seven days in a row and it's like you don't even have weekends off anymore and it's just like that's yeah that's just doesn't seem right to me mm -hmm. <laughs> in comparison <laughs> yeah. so I think like even if you graduate and start a real job like you're always worried about what it'll be like to finally stop doing school mm -hmm. it might actually be a vacation for you I think it will be <laughs> <laughs> it's like what I can go home what Saturday and Sunday are free yep and it's actually like, please go home. You need to. You only work these many hours. We don't want to pay you overtime. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe that's a good leeway into some of the challenges that I faced oh, yeah. <laughs> um, doing this. So one is, of course, the time commitment. Mm -hmm. um, I was fortunate during those first two years to have a team of people. Um, one of the girls was very reliable. Um, so we would often, you know, trade responsibilities and share all the tasks in terms of preparing uh, a lot of things, which was really helpful. I'm now by myself, so I have to do a lot of the prep work, coming in on the weekends, all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, I was also working with a couple of people uh, who were not as reliable. So that was actually a source of stress. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of, you know, the team you're working with, which is really like any work situation. Sounds a lot like, yeah, just, just general coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with this Raisin Brand project, which was uh, eight of us, it's not like everyone was pulling their weight either. So No, someone was in Korea, so group, that was hard. Group, <laughs> group presentations, group projects, there's always, that's always mm -hmm. a dynamic for sure. Uh, yep. Uh, another challenge, this is not so much for me, but certainly for others, is funding and money. Uh, so I've been fortunate to have a government scholarship and a scholarship from my university. So I'm very well funded. Uh, and I also am married to an awesome gentleman who has a full-time job. So. Who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know about this. I thought we were married. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. You're Light bulb moment? Yeah, okay. Um, so you have a full-time job. So even if I had, you know, had to take some time off and had to cancel my scholarship for a period of time, you've got my back. So that's really helpful that I don't have to worry about money when I'm trying to worry about research and papers and exams and thesis and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, you don't have to have a second job while also going to school seven days yes, a week. That would be exactly. That would be very problematic for sure. Mm -hmm. And I would just never see you. Um, yeah, but it's certainly an issue for some students. You're guaranteed, uh, like maybe, I didn't check the number, but it's something like $23,000 a year, which is barely mm -hmm. livable in Toronto. So that yeah. can be difficult. Yeah, it's it's doable if you live with your parents, but certainly not as an independent. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that can be tough. Um, and lastly, this is also kind of maybe a, a work-related situation. It's the relationship you have with your supervisor or your boss, your prof. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be interesting. I chose the person that I'm working with uh, because he's very hands-on and involved in research, super productive, uh, seemed to work hard and put out a lot of uh, publications, which was important to me, um, which is great, but it also means 
that he is around a lot and he wants to know what's going on all the time. Um, what are you doing? How are your results? What's going on? Where's my paper? Where's my results? So it's a bit of a... But so far, it sounds like everything you're saying is really not that different from a regular job. Like you've mentioned the time. Time Mm -hmm. can be very uh, stressful for certain jobs. Certainly when uh, you work in certain fields where there's like a crunch time before a deadline, all of a sudden you have to work overtime all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're talking about team dynamics. That is a huge thing at work. And then you're also talking about your boss. Yeah, Yeah. it's a professor instead of a boss. But obviously your boss... And any job can really affect your mood and even your productivity. Mm-hmm. So, so far, I'm not seeing a lot of differences between a PhD and just having a job. Do you, have, do you have anything that really separates it? Um, that I have to pay tuition every four months. <laughs> you have to pay to work. It's Basically. like a job, but you pay for it. I think probably that's the only difference. Because I'm trying to think, you know, when people um, finish their PhDs and do, you know, postdoctoral research Mm -hmm. it's essentially the same thing as a phd except they don't have to do an exam and they don't have to pay tuition Hmm. yeah so is this an option that you would consider in the future am i fast forwarding too much now um no you're not um that's also you're just really good at like oh segueing yeah segueing what do i hope to get out of all this when i have all these challenges of money and time commitments and yeah and everything um what, what am I going to get out of it? Um, so my aim isn't to be a researching professor. Um, that requires right now about four years of postdoctoral research after you finish your PhD. And what? then you have to try and enter a job market where there could be jobs, there could not, and you may have to move really far away or wherever to get these positions. So it's not ideal for so, our situation, which is why I've kind of like... Eh. Let's say, okay, well, let's just concentrate short term. So let's say you're Mm -hmm. done in a year. Yep. What are the options you're considering? You have this four more year thing that you just mentioned, but is there anything else? Um, I could be a teaching professor. I'll have a PhD and lots of teaching experience. So you don't have to do teacher's college to be a teaching professor? No. Professors don't have to do teacher's college and they teach all the time. Huh. And now they're trying to kind of have... I don't know if it's a good thing, a bad thing. I look at it as a good thing. They're trying to have professors that are more focused on research and professors more focused on teaching. Uh, So the professors focused on teaching would take care of those undergrad courses and provide them with a better and enhanced learning experience that's focused on teaching principles and research. And then the research professors could focus on their research rather than have a professor try to do both really well and oftentimes there are exceptions oftentimes i find some professors are really good at teaching and maybe don't have as strong a research program or have a very strong research program and they're forced to teach and they're terrible so at this current time Mm -hmm. where do you see yourself on that scale are you leaning more towards teaching or leaning more towards research or is it a 50 50 i'm leaning more towards uh teaching really right now I love the research, but I can't, this, this time commitment is like killing me. Mm. And, um, I guess like thinking as me, as a person and my personality, I like working for someone. I like them. I like managing their projects and their ideas. So when my prof comes to me with an idea and he's like, here's what I want to do. I'm like, all right, here's how we have to set this up. And I'm really comfortable in that position. 
um, it's challenging. You've got to try and think of all the, the troubleshooting and all the different angles of how you're going to research this question. Um, but they're the head person. They're thinking of the ideas. They're getting the funding. They're managing all the personnel. Right. So in the teaching scenario, you're saying uh, the person in charge would be a general program mm-hmm. that you have to follow. But you still have to create your own syllabus and create your own course. Yes. But you at least have an outline and you don't have to, you know, uh, get students to come to the school, for example. That's covered by someone else. Yes. Um, And I've taken a lot of kind of courses uh, looking at teaching and how we can try and enhance it um, and get students more engaged in the classroom. And I really like that idea and I like moving towards uh, that kind of that kind of thinking that kind of work I can still have my own ideas I can still propose new courses I can still be in a university environment I just really don't see myself as head of a lab really put it that way yeah not to mention the time commitment to get to that position I guess so it really it kind of surprised me yeah. I thought you were really research driven I could really I don't know you you're really into a lot of that. I like the discovery. It seemed like it was a passion for you. And I like the discovery, uh but the actual like logistics of it is what is what's bothering me. I I'd have to sit here and do the professor we just hired, 6 years of postgraduate research before he got a professor job. Hmm. Somewhere in there, would we like to start a family? Would we like to settle in somewhere? Yeah. It'd be really hard to do if I'm still kind of on the fence of where a job might be. My only other concern is I don't know how much experience you have on the teaching side, but I'm mm-hmm. assuming there's a larger uh, time commitment than you are probably thinking right now. Also on that side, in which terms might, of what, which might surprise you, just how much of a time commitment you might need to do on the teaching side. I know you're saying right now research is way bigger, but I think might teaching be... is something that I can get into. We can try it out. Yeah. I feel like teaching I can get into maybe a little bit more quickly uh, than sitting and doing research for four to six years and getting grants (laughs) to do that. And if I do do postdoctoral research, it's a chance. It's supposed to be a chance to branch out and do something new. So that means going to a different school, working for a different prof. Um, So that, again... If I'm enjoying where I am, mm-hmm. location-wise in Toronto, which I love this city, that's possibly branching out and having to go somewhere else. But there's a lot of schools in the city. There at are. At the same time. Like, you've uh, not even yep. touched U of T. That's huge. I haven't. That's huge and competitive and kind of intimidating. And then there <laughs> is all the, uh, like, the greater Toronto, which I guess you could technically commute to. I don't know. We'd have to get a car, right? But, like, you could technically do it. It takes us an hour on public transit, basically, to get to our jobs and our locations. And that's within the city. Yep. You could probably, with a car, be doing the same commute, and you still get much further. Yes. And I'd get to, like, Guelph. Like, my boss drives from Ajax every day, and Mm -hmm. it takes him less time to get to work than it does for me to go from midtown Toronto to uptown Toronto, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Just on a a couple trains and a bus. So, uh, don't, don't worry too much. I don't think you're too limited. Sky's the limit, baby. 
Well, that's nice. I'm just also thinking of, you know, I want to get back to a balance. You got to believe. I know. It's a cat poster. <laughs> what else can I give you? Um, Life yeah, is I just, just want to get back to that balance. Um, I'm also curious about working in, I guess it's called like research administration. It's basically helping professors get their research program started, help them with grants. There so more positions. administration? Yeah. Okay. So there are those positions too that exist at universities, which based on feedback from other PhDs that have entered them, they've enjoyed them because their PhD gives them respect for mm-hmm. the position they're in. Um, they call it, I think they say their brains don't turn to mush <laughs> because they're working with a number of different professors on their research projects. They have to be up on the latest in that field with that data. So they're really using all of their, their knowledge and their skills. Um, so that's kind of in the back of my mind, too. And as you mentioned, there's lots of schools mm-hmm. in the greater Toronto area that would, be, um, that would have these positions. That's exciting. So there are options. I think and you're in a good spot. As you've pointed out, a lot of the skills that you're gaining from a PhD, besides the actual molecular biology that I might have learned, yeah. I've gained a ton of transferable skills and skills that are important to have in a workplace. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Um, so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. If you have a good support system behind you, I would highly consider it. Um, it's been really challenging, but really um, good for me too. I think overall you haven't seemed overly stressed out. I mean, there are a couple weeks um, where maybe your your lab study's gone on for four weeks straight, no weekends off. That might be a stressful time, but yeah, that's rough. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I still think I'm stressed out more often than you <laughs> on a weekly basis. <laughs> it's just so quickly can become a bad day. It's true. Yeah. Um, and then that just that just sticks with you for the whole week, and mm-hmm. yeah, try to fix it, and then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Enjoy my weekends. Yes, definitely. We've both learned to appreciate them when we have them, especially when I have a weekend where I'm not in the lab. There's a part of me that's like, uh, I could I could read a paper today, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Good. <laughs> I was in Good the lab for you. ten hours on Friday. No, we're not doing this. <laughs> I feel like you've learned so much from me. Yes. How for to me, relax. Yeah. Yeah, definitely how to relax. Because I feel like when you are working on a PhD, you're at this intensity level where you're like, I got to work. I got to write. I got to do this. There's never a moment where I should be sitting down and breathing. And you get into like the real world or watch other people and they take breaks for their mental well-being and physical well-being. And mm-hmm. I think my first one or two years, I was kind of... Um, under this impression that I had to like go, go, go all the time and you, you can't so you have to take breaks. So I think I'm doing that a lot better this year. It's good. I think you also, mm-hmm. as, as you get older, it, it gets harder to just go, 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 go all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll certainly notice once you turn 30, you'll see. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much Any concluding statements? Um, If you are thinking about doing a PhD, I would just think about it and think about all aspects of it. I feel like some people kind of focus on, do I want to do research for four years? 
um, rather than ask themselves, how does this fit in with my life? life? How do I have the support necessary to do this? Do I have good funding? Do yeah. I have a good support network in the city I'm going to be working in? Do I have a supervisor that I feel like I can work closely with for the next four years? Yeah. Kind of all of those questions also need to come in to the picture when you're thinking about doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you were saying earlier you got a scholarship. So yes. that's another thing to investigate is if you'd be able to get any kind of funding yep. that way too. Yep. There's uh, government funding for graduate students. You have to apply the year before yep. you want to do grad school. Yeah. Um, so, so think hard and plan just, forward. Yeah. You just have to be organized, organized about it because they are available. Parents tell your kids <laughs> get started now, even if they're eight. Yeah. Start looking at those scholarships. Uh, but yeah, that's a little bit about what I do, what it is, why it takes so darn long. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm now, I can now say I have just over a year left. Yeah. So I feel like everyone around me feels more comfortable about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many years total have you been in school in a row now? Do you know that number? Like since kindergarten? Yes. Uh, 22. 22 years straight of school. Correct. I never That's, took a break. Uh, Grade 22. Wow. <laughs> and I've been out of school for over 10 years. So, wow. Mm-hmm. There you go. I think it's going to be a real shock when I don't go back to school in a September. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. I think I think we I think we covered the bases. Cool. Uh, past the thirty mark, so we can wrap this up. Excellent. I hope it wasn't too boring. Oh, I don't, don't say that. Uh, like, if you say I hope it's not boring, then people uh-huh. go, "Well, that's boring." Yep. And turn it off. That's okay. another thing you need to learn is confidence. Learn confidence for being a PhD, and for talking in front of people. Be I'm confident gonna... in what you're doing. I know. It uh, it can wear down on you, your PhD. It can chip away at your confidence. So it's good to have someone on my team. All right. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so next time, I'm thinking my uh, topic will be pet peeves. I think that will be a fun little one. Oh, that will be uh, fun. You just got me thinking all the little things that get you down or whatever, and it might be fun to just sort of laugh and joke about mm-hmm. that. Um yeah. And maybe the more, like, ridiculous pet peeves. <laughs> um, there's certainly a lot. When you live in Toronto, you got public transportation, you got drivers, you got uh, just a lot of people around you in general. So yeah, and we're going yeah. to come up with some of those. I don't know, five or ten each, maybe? Cool. Sounds good. And uh, we will discuss those next time. So uh, until next time, we would like to thank... Uh, Field Processor? Oh, yeah. For the intro and outro music. That's the one. And if you have any topic ideas, any feedback, or stuff you would like to send our way, you can send us an email at ordinarydaypodcast at gmail.com. Everything you need uh, regarding this podcast, if you want to share it with people, just send them to our website, ordinaryday.ca. That's where you can find a link to our email as well and our previous episodes or subscribing. Woo! Sounds good. So I think that's about everything. Mm-hmm. So until next time, take, take one, one more for, for the road. road. Yeah.